0: good morning faith fellowship if you have your bible be turning to acts chapter 21 we are slowly getting through acts i still think we will be pop sam um, which it might be the rapture before he finishes genesis (laughs) but uh, we'll be close (laughs) right yeah (laughs) it is kind of a big book we are in Acts chapter 21, and so because we've had some time, uh, just you know, other books and things that we've been in, just to kind of bring you up to speed of where we are, this is a kind of a transition point for Paul's ministry, and Acts chapter 20, really what you're seeing is this kind of pare down and visiting the various churches that Paul had helped to establish, by going to the various cities that were listed in those previous chapters um, that, you know, share the gospel there and planted disciples, also leadership. And so now what you're kind of seeing in Paul's ministry is that no longer is he going to new cities. He's really just going to cities to kind of see them and what he thinks is the last time. Now, I will say it's kind of neat how Luke wrote this because he is, he is writing this really with Paul's uh, heart, thinking that this will be the last time and, and, and the end of chapter 20, it actually mentions that it's difficult for them to part ways uh, because they are thinking it's the last time, but really what's gonna end up happening is once he gets imprisoned, then he'll be given some freedom and kind of be on house arrest, <laughs> so to speak, and kind of being able to move about um, and go and see at least be in Caesarea and kind of use that as a a base point of operation. So he will see uh, a lot of these people, some of these people again, but this is a change for him. And something that we're going to see that's just kind of important to this is he is just set his heart and his mind and his spirit to get to Jerusalem. He wants to be there in order to obviously see James, James, that is there, see the other disciples that are there. He wants to be there for Pentecost. And so there, and of course, he wants to be there really for the opportunity for the gospel. So in in Paul's mind, he is a person that, as a great traveler, has kind of calculated time. He understands that those things are important, you know, because sometimes he'll have to walk or sometimes he'll have to take a ship. and, And so he's very diligent to manage his time well. So even though some of these trips that he's made have seemed fairly quick. One thing that we do see him uh, handle well is just taking time with the saints. And so now we find ourselves at the end of this trip that he made to Miletus. He asked the leaders of Ephesus to come and, and uh, he wanted to talk to them. And you should really go back and, and read uh, Acts chapter 20, a really beautiful uh, message that he kind of laid out where he's really just warning them of the responsibility of of, uh, leadership and what's going to kind of come about as a result of different doctrines that are going to come in, which we know we studied in our Bible studies in Galatians with the Judaizers and just their impact and influence on the Christian world at this time. You never want to lose place of something that's really critical. This is the early church. This is the, we're, we're watching, we're looking at essentially a historical document that is telling you of the acts of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people will say, oh, the apostles, but I mean, those guys are just puppets for what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is the acts of the Holy Spirit. And so now you're getting to see that activity get really just play out. And so with that, you're seeing mistakes. You're seeing people have questions and not really know. Remember, it was Paul and Barnabas when it came up, do Gentiles actually have to be circumcised? Well, let's go back to Jerusalem and ask. You would think as what we know of Paul and how we generally think of Paul that he would be concrete in that decision. But he was like, uh, well, I don't. well, let me ask, right? And so all of those things are kind of important details for us to look at. And so just in terms of getting our bearings with Acts, you always want to be careful with that. Really, once you get to Romans, to Philemon, that is where the meat and potatoes of how I'm going to live out the Christian walk is going to come from those books, okay? And so with Acts, you're looking at, it's it's a history book, just a narrative that's saying, hey, this is what happened right? And so there's still things doctrinally that we can learn from this book. There are things inspirationally we can take from this book, along with its historical importance. And so now we find ourselves in Acts 21. We're going to read that. Um, Rashad, will you do me a favor? Will you just run that for me just because my head is... (laughs) Okay, thanks, brother. And uh, so now, uh, again, for those that were not here with us this morning, unfortunately, we won't have the uh, PowerPoint um, available for the class, but on Zoom, you will have that. If you want to go back and see that, Sean, you'll probably be able to put that online. So yeah, it'll be online. That way you guys can have that, just so you can go back any notes you may have missed. Okay, so here we go. Verse one, and it came to pass that after we were gotten from them, so now, this is in, in reference to those at Miletus. Remember that Ephesus church, he's saying gotten from them. It's kind of important that he's using that wording. We'll come back to that. And had launched, we came with a straight course unto Kuz, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patara, and finally, ship sailing over into Phoenicia, we went abroad and, and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into, Cy- into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days who said to Paul through the spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Man, that's I read over that, but isn't that beautiful? All those individuals are there. Verse six, and when we had taken our leave one of another we took ship and they returned home again and we had finished our course from Tyre we came to uh Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day and the next day we were there of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist which was one of the seven and abode with him and the same man had four daughters virgins which did prophesy. And we tarried there many days. There came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when we had come unto us, he had come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we, <laughs> now Luke is like letting you know, I was, I, me too. Because remember, he's, he's writing this. Luke is saying, both we and they of that place, so Philip and his household, his daughters, whoever else is there, says besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then I love his response. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? <laughs> I love that. We'll talk about that. Just the, the beauty of, of how he worded that. For I am not For am I ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus? Wow. Verse 14. (laughs) And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. They went with us also, certain of the disciples of Caesarea, and brought with them one of Manassan of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And so That is our text that we're going to look at this morning. So for those of you writing this down and you want to go back to study, that's Acts 21, 1 through 16. And our title uh, this morning is going to be deciding to finish. Deciding to finish. If you notice, there is something where on two occasions, and just in this text that we, we looked at, his dear brother, These disciples, these that know the gospel, are saying, Paul, brother, don't go to Jerusalem. And what we see in his response is, no, I'm going to Jerusalem. It's worthwhile for me to lay down my life in this way to go do that. And I don't mean for one second that Paul is meaning this to be some sort of uh, look at me, look at what I've done, beat himself on the chest, but the guy has decided to finish. And so it's with that thought that I think just in terms of what we're looking at this morning, we want to go back and just kind of build a a bit of a summary. Like we said earlier, Paul is leaving Miletus with the intention of getting to Jerusalem. These first few, describe, first few verses describe just that. And the, there are some details I want to pull out from you, just so you understand that this is heart-wrenching stuff for Paul. Paul is not a robot. Uh, he's not uh, somebody that doesn't have feelings. He is a, actually a rather small, sickly individual that loves with a big heart and speaks with a big voice and has the authority of the Lord Jesus behind it and so pay attention to when it says in verse 1 and it came to pass that after we were gotten from them I want you to understand something in Acts 20 37 through 38 it says and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. See, there is this something very beautiful about the fact that there is a tearing away that is taking place. Like, man, I wish I could stay with you. But except for this thing that is burning my spirit up and my mind and has set my heart and literally my feet ablaze, I got to go do that thing. I can't just hang out with you. Man, this, this is what it is taking him to decide to, to finish. And with straight course, describes the ease of a three-day journey due to the winds. They're getting a blessing from the Lord. Really, he's in control of the winds. This journey, if you notice how quickly it goes through it, it says, unto Kuz, and they follow unto Rose, and from thence unto Patara, and finding a ship sailing over Phoenicia. Thinking about this now. To the point that it was mentioned earlier about connecting flights and how dicey that is in today's world. 2022, we struggle with making connecting flights. Do you think it would be difficult to make a connecting ship? <laughs> so consider that. The, the fervency and the heart behind what it is that Paul has said is hard to. Again, this is Operation Get to Jerusalem. The Lord is advancing this narrative, and we see that even in in a little bit by the winds pushing hard enough to get that ship to move and so that they can make that connection. The ship is headed to a Phoenician city of Tyre, sailing past Cyprus, and this is what Matthew Henry says about it. The island that Barnabas was of, remember Barnabas was his uh, partner in the ministry with their very first mission trip together or out was Paul and Barnabas together. And Barnabas is from there. So unfortunately, when they split, Barnabas went back to Cyprus. So he knows that that is well dealt with island. It's good. And we got to keep going because I got to get to Jerusalem. And the boy, he really would have probably had a hard time getting away from Barnabas, even just to make the connection, get back in that fellowship, you know would have probably been tough, so he has to press on, so when you read this, don't necessarily think ill of that, he's a man on a mission, they arrive in Tyre, verse 3, they find disciples, and since he was closer to Jerusalem, now is where he slowed down to take time with disciples uh, that he did not invest in, okay, did you hear what I just said, Tyree is not a place that Paul went to. This is the first time you see Tyree mentioned in Acts. But Tyree is mentioned a ton in the Gospels. So the first mention of that is in Matthew eleven twenty, And listen to this now. It says, then began he, he being Jesus, to upbraid the city. So now he is basically calling these cities out and saying, hey, pay attention to what I'm saying here. Then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. And he says, Woe unto thee, Chorazon, woe unto thee, Beseeda! For if thy mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. See, we learned that Jesus had not spent uh, at that point a lot of time in Tyre like he had in other places. And he's basically saying, To these other cities, Corazon and Bethsaida, if I had spent the time that that I did with you and Tyre and Sedan, these individuals would have actually heard me and listened to me. Oh, we get a chance to see that, though. See, I think it is that we got to consider something. It says that he found disciples there, and I told you he did not go there. So now whose disciples are they? Doesn't say there's John's disciples. Remember, the Bible will clearly let you know that. Why? Because those individuals had still only had a baptism of repentance. They hadn't yet accepted the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves. So this is critical that this is saying he found disciples there, right? Okay. Now, in Matthew, this is kind of long, y'all. Matthew fifteen twenty-one through 29. And I, listen, if y'all are taking notes, I want you to take another note. Luke 6, 17 through 49. That is a longer time that Jesus really is having a discussion, an interaction with the crowd of people that represents Judea, Jerusalem, and Tyre and Sidon. And there are some very interesting things that he says that he's giving them guiding principles. I mean, if, if Tyree and Sidon bites down on what it is that, that the Lord is saying to them, I mean, they could be getting themselves in a good spot to receiving the gospel. So perhaps that's what has taken place. But let's read here. Matthew 15, 21 through 29 says this. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon and beheld a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. And cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter, now, okay, did she or did she not just call him properly? Okay, you see what, why he is saying this incredible thing about Tyre and Sidon and why we need to make this connection in terms of disciples and where they're coming from. Okay, now, she goes on to say, my, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now listen, y'all, this is super critical. This woman, okay, is coming out of Tyre and Sidon. She is Phoenician. That would be modern day Lebanon, okay? So she would be like, in today's world, a Lebanese, not Jewish, now, he's telling you, Jesus is telling you something that is super critical for, to keep doctrinal error from taking place in terms of whose Jesus' ministry was to, right? He's letting you know that. It's to the household of Israel. So when we're looking at the Gospels, we're looking at still on this side of the, the, uh, um, the law. And there's the only thing that's going to make that right is that Israel nationally would see Jesus as the Messiah. Then he would take his seat at the throne and in a physical space, and we would have both the kingdom of heaven and God simultaneously on the earth. That's, that day will come. That day has not happened. And so he's just simply telling her like, hey, my heart is for Israel first. That's my first priority. Now watch what happens. I love this. This is an incredible passage. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's almost like, okay, I don't care about that. I need your help, though. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take. Now, this, now, this, guys, oh, man. Could she have walked away? Some of us would have. To our to our shame, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Okay, then. Well, uh, this isn't going well. That is embarrassing. You just call me a dog on the sly. Kind of not even on the sly, right? He just out just said it. Okay, she's still standing there, y'all. She's not. She didn't have to pick up her face, as we said in the nineties. <laughs> you know, from just being destroyed. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and the cast to the dogs. And she said, truth. Lord, I love this response. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I can't imagine what happened in Jesus' heart at that moment. Just the moment he heard that was probably about the same joy you can read when Solomon asked for wisdom and not riches. And you can, you can read joy in God's response to Solomon as a result of that. Here's what happened. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh to the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. It's funny that how that ends right <laughs> there. But I mean, I just think it's incredible. I want you to make some connections. There are people that were in Tyre that absolutely saw him as the son of David, saw him properly, maybe saw him better than even Israel did. And so they were primed and ready to become disciples. Now, my other thing to this is I also now, Philip, you guys remember Philip? And remember, we're going to go to Philip's house. He's in Caesarea. Now, there was a point, and I wish, again, there was a map, that just to show you how close Tyre is to, to uh, Caesarea and to Azotus, and kind of where Philip, the evangelist, what his name is, ministered. Perhaps could some of those disciples have crept their way up that far, and then maybe some of them now are sharing the gospel? Well, I don't know. I'm just saying it's, a, it's possible right? There's a possibility there. And so anyway, the thing that we have to understand that is this. The point is these are Jesus' disciples, as all disciples should be. They're the Lord's disciples. They don't have a a key man or person that they would attribute that to. They're like, no, we believe you are who you said you are. And so we found those disciples. It doesn't even say there had to be some doctrinal clarity for them. Remember with Apollo's, that was something that was important for Apollos. It's like, oh brother, oh man, you, your heart is fervent, but you don't you need to go to LFBI. There are some things you're saying that are right. <laughs> right. And so Aquila and Priscilla, they took care of that. And Apollos boom, hit the floor running. No look, no turning back. Okay. So I just wanted, I just wanted you to kind of at least, it's again not something emphatically that I want to, you know, lay a, my bed on, but I just want to at least present. What the Bible has in speaking about Tyree and Sidon is kind of interesting. And like I said, in Luke, when you look at Luke's account uh, in 6, 17 through 49, it's incredible just some of the things that he's saying. Like, if you take heed to this, this is going to work out well for you. Well, clearly something happened good because now there's disciples there. Okay, so that's a very long, <laughs> you know, we're still on the, Deciding to finish, trust me, but I just, I let's, we just don't want to miss that. Okay, now let's keep going. Acts 21 4 and finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Okay, here we go. Now we're about to launch into our message. Now, something that you just also just kind of interesting as well, Paul spent the same amount of time here as he did in Troas. And you guys remember what happened in Troas. That's when our boy fell out the window. <laughs> and so, but also the other thing of note is now we're starting to see something else. That whole seven days thing is getting to the fact that you're starting to see Sunday, the Lord's day, because the Lord's day in the Bible is tied to the Lord's resurrection. You're starting to see that become more like prevalent. That there is a, communion probably taking place a message that's being taught so he's wanting to hang out and spend that time so that seven day window there is probably not by accident because again these are not disciples that he he made and so now he's getting a chance of fellowship time with them much like when we have visiting missionaries they like to spend some time with us Tuesday night they'll come right and Sunday morning and so that's important But now notice what happens. These disciples foretell Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And here's kind of where our message starts. And so I I just got a question for you. You ought to write down. Is Paul a person that the Holy Spirit can speak directly to? Does he need the Holy Spirit to speak through somebody else in order for him to be about his business or rather be about his father's business? Is Paul a person that the Holy Spirit can speak directly to? So now we're going to go on a journey so that you can see that and we'll shorten these. But I want you to write these proof points down. The first one being Acts 13, 4. This is where the Holy Ghost sent Paul and Barnabas out to minister to the Gentiles. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read that to you. But again, I want you to be able to find this in scripture for yourself. There is a narrative that has been drawn up for us in order for us to see the acts of the Holy Spirit at work. It is the Holy Spirit that called Paul and Barnabas out, not them coming up with a good idea or having some strategy or just being having a bleeding heart for Gentiles. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is something that the Holy Spirit said, go do this. So they went. Acts 13 9 right away those guys get out there the first part of their trip was pretty nice and smooth until they meet Elemaus the sorcerer and so the Holy Ghost gives Paul the ability to discern Elemaus's, uh intentions that's Acts thirteen nine. Again, I'm just laying a groundwork for you that if we were worried about Paul not necessarily being able to do that, we would always see that it would be like a middleman. But it's not. The Holy Spirit is at work in Paul's life directly. Acts 16, 7, the Holy Spirit tells Paul not to go into Asia. Y'all remember that. And so remember, this is when The man of Macedonia, then that vision, he has that vision overnight. And the man of Macedonia says, hey, come help us. He's like, okay. And that opens the door to the European tour. The next would be Acts 17, 16. The Holy Spirit was stirred in Paul because of the Athenians' idolatry. You guys remember that is when he now goes on this great sermon. Because he sees that, that plaque that says, to the unknown God. And he makes it very clear who God is. So now listen, get this down. Not only does it speak to him, but it guides his decisions. Not only does it speak to him, but it guides his decisions. There are a few more of these references that I want you to get down. Acts 19.21, how Do we see that Paul purpose in the spirit to go to Jerusalem? So now I'm calling out right now that this is a spirit led endeavor for him to go to Jerusalem. There are some that wrestle with this because they're saying on some level that his going to Jerusalem leads to his capture, which then eventually leads to his death. I'm not saying, like, that's completely wrong, but I would just say this. Paul would say, so what? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to happen, right? Because he's just hardcore like that. Okay? Acts 20, 22. Paul says, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Now, do we kind of get a window into the fervor behind why it is so impactful for him to go? He feels like I'm like in chains. It's not, it's beyond my decision. It's beyond my choice. He purpose. Now he's bound. And then acts 20, 23, Paul says that the Holy ghost. And I love this is speaking in every city to the people that he's in. He's meeting the various disciples and says, that bonds and afflictions are waiting for me. Now, let me give you his response to that. (laughs) Acts 20, 24. I love it. Paul, hardcore. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me, y'all. Every city I show up in, the spirit is witnessing, telling me, hey, this is the things that are going to befall me. And he's like, I don't care. None of these things move me, neither count I my life, dear unto myself. Why? So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's why. So now that leads us to this major point, not a key point. We will have key points, but get this major point down. A desire to finish what Christ has started in me can only be realized through the Holy Spirit's leading. A desire to finish what Christ has started in me can only be realized through the Holy Spirit's leading. See, I needed you to see from the text that basically the Holy Spirit has been leading this guy the whole time and has been talking to him the whole time. And he doesn't need to go through somebody else in order to tell him anything because he can just talk directly to him. Now, believer, Do you have the same luxury? Absolutely. And have you also been given something to finish in this life? Absolutely. So now what you gotta do is decide. And I know what your flesh is already thinking. Okay, then I gotta stop this. I gotta start that. I need to show up here. I need to do something more. I need to work harder, tire myself out, make sure that, you know, while I'm got a broom in I have, hi, Sam, you know, real loud, just so you can see me finishing my course. <laughs> Somebody should throw a, a piece of paper at your head, <laughs> wrapped in a ball, be quiet. Just get to work. Listen, a desire to finish what Christ has started me can only be realized through the Holy Spirit's leading. Okay, you have to know that going into it. So anytime that you think that you want to quit, oh, maybe now you just found out who's leading. Because the Spirit don't quit. (laughs) That just led me to too legit to quit. That's what I did. I just, (laughs) you were thinking it. You were thinking it. See? (laughs) Happens when you grow up in the age that I did. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what I should have done. I should have just mouthed it and just kept it moving. <laughs> okay. Look. Let's bring it back. Okay. So that's our major point. So now here's the deal. If I'm if I'm desired to finish what Christ started, then there are some things I got to realize. And the first one is this. Our first key point is my life is on display. The first key point is my life is on display. Listen, get this down. God never intended for my sanctification to be hidden. God never intended for my sanctification to be hidden. See, there's something quite powerful from others being able to watch transformation take place in your life. It it, it makes them inquire. It makes them say it's possible, especially if they know how wretched you were previous and now you're saying different things or your heart is set in a different way and you just 180 it. You're just like, man, I'm done with that. Or let's say they see the gradual transformation. Boy, your family can see that. People can just see those things taking place. And a lot of times, what we like to do is this kind of abrupt thing. But sanctification, that process, that's in the Lord's time. There's something critical for us to understand even what Paul says of his apostleship in particular concerning this matter. 1 Corinthians 4.9. 1 Corinthians 4.9 says, for I think that God has set forth us the apostles' last, as it were appointed to death. Get this, don't miss this, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Verse 10, We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. we are weak, but you are strong, you are honorable, but we are despised. Listen, the Lord is using the foolish things to lead this ministry forward. And I can kind of take comfort in that. Because if the other alternative is if we aren't fools, then that means I have to be awesome. And now I'm going to start comparing myself to other brothers and sisters that are more capable in my mind in the ministry. That is an error. The Lord is simply saying this Listen, I, I love you, I want you to be a part finish let me lead you to the finish line but what we like to do is like well let me help you i'm a better sprinter than i am a marathon runner so let me try to run fast and then you fall on your face you want to quit you scuff your knee up and so man listen you the sanctification process cannot be hidden live it just live Just live. And so take note of something here. Acts 21, 5 through 6. Let's go back to our text. And it says, and when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they brought us on our way. And look who get a chance to see everything. It's not just men, as today's culture may try to make you think the Bible thinks as if he would ever leave his daughters out. With wives and children. Till we were out of the city and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed, and we had taken our leave one of another. We took ship and they returned home again. See, I want my parents, my disciple uh, makers, to get this. Take note of who is there. Praise God that these parents have the wisdom to know and it is their benefit, it is to their benefit to have their children be apart. It is to the parents' benefit to have the children be apart. One of the things that I, I really enjoyed when I was leading the um, um, cleaning team was that it was really Sam's. And once LFBI started, he was like, man, I gotta hand it off because obviously he's busy. Sure, Pops, I got it. So then what happened was the Miles' kids, when they were little, they would come and they, Mr. Thomas, what can we do? And Seth, little Seth would get trash from up here every, every time we did our thing. And the relationship that I have with them Started because that kid is taking trash out on the day that I'm leading the cleaning team. And now we see them all. We see what God is doing in their lives. We could, man, again, a lot of times, and you know, you know your kids, but I want you to just start purposing your heart. Lord, use me to disciple these little ones. I want You want them to have a favorable view of the leaders here and other brothers and sisters here? How do your kids see this church? Now, what could be telling is they see the church the way you see it. Um, Luke 18, 16. But Jesus called unto them, unto him, and said, "Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not." for of such is the kingdom of God. Listen, parents, um, disciplers, I know you planned in your heart just to get the lessons open, but man, you absolutely better let them see you live your life. You got to spend time outside the lessons. If you're only meeting your disciple on the lessons, or if your only interaction with the kid is Sunday morning, and they don't really get to see you in your word, see you pray, just to grab the kid and say, hey, we need to pray about this situation. Hey, we see this thing is going on right now and it's kind of a tense, maybe somebody's sad or upset or something bad happened. Hey, let's pray right now. There's a car accident and you get a chance to pray as a family. If you don't think that that has any kind of bearing on your children, you guys are sadly mistaken. My view of the Lord Jesus came from watching my grandmother play piano. So even if I am just peeking through her hands and watching what she's doing and the love she had and just the way that she thought about it, it was like, there's something to this God that she serves. How are you doing living your life that you have in Christ in front of your children? Is your sanctification process hidden to them? Hidden to your spouse? Hidden to your family? your neighbor, your coworker. Do we think it's just by magic that all of a sudden now we're gonna get opportunity to share the gospel with these people? They don't even know where we stand. Man, let that just have you consider. As it relates to our children, because we have tons in here and we have those that have spiritual children, don't hide the God you serve pray with them, read with them, take them on mission missions, let them clean up the church and then help them, man, get them in kid town. That, all of, all of the messages are geared towards those age groups. Encourage them to be in there, to make friends. God will exploit that for his glory. Don't miss that when Paul left, everybody went with him to the shore, to pray, to watch him go. Even, I can imagine there's babies there. They don't even really understand what they were watching. And when they later on see him, it's like, that's Paul. Oh, hug him on the leg, you know. I mean, man, live it out. Your life is on display. If people are gonna watch, let them see the right thing. Key point number two, seek out the brethren. Seek out the brethren. If I'm going to finish my course, and if I tend to think that I got to do that somehow Rambo style on my own, you are sadly mistaken. Seek out the brethren. Listen, get this down. Jesus paid the price with his life for this family. I mean, you just got to get that down in your head. Jesus paid the price with his life for this family. If I don't see that already, it, I'm, I'm bound to just come up with the wrong perception of my brothers and sisters. Acts 21 7. And when we finished our course from Tyre, we came to Paul of Ptolemais and saluted the brethren and a bowl with them one day. And the next day, we were uh, of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and a bow with him. See, listen, Paul is on a mission to get to Jerusalem. And while that is a priority, he made time for the body of Christ. How are you doing with that? See, this goes back kind of to the whole, my life is on display. And do you seek out the brethren? Or when you leave, you are the last one here, first one out of here. You don't really have any hooks in you. That's what I'll say to you. You know, if you're in Faith Fellowship, I want you to get more hooks in. I want to be able to say hi and good morning and and encourage you and invite you into the space of fellowship. But I also want the fellas and the ladies and the ladies that are leaders in here, they know my heart for that. And and so for when I don't know you, and if you got attacked this morning by several people, praise the Lord. (laughs) They're just doing what it is, I ask, because I want you to feel welcome when you come. This has to be an inviting space. I want to seek out those brethren. I want to see, hey, do you know who the Lord Jesus is? Because then if not, now I got an opportunity to maybe invite you to the space to become in family. If you think that at church we don't have the loss here with us, you are sadly mistaken. We do. And the lobby ministry, while distracting during praise and worship, <laughs> can be effective between classes when you see people that look lost. You know the face. I don't know where to go. Where's up? what's down? Whose fellowship is over here? Hey, how you doing? What's your name? And just start from there. But that's awkward for adults, right? Kids and they don't matter. They'll just play with each other. They'll, they they don't meet a stranger, right? But like sometimes with adults, we just get in that box. Man, listen. Have a heart that's welcoming. Seek out the brethren. Hebrews ten twenty three. Don't miss this. I love this. You guys know it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and what else? And to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. Why? Because you see the day approaching. At some point, this is going to end. And we're going to be around each other. And I want to be around a crowd of friends and family that I have been doing work with for most of my saved life. I mean, you know, it's heaven. So it's going to be all good regardless. <laughs> right? But man, I, you know, I, I don't want the Lord to say, how come you didn't seek the brother now? When you was going through that thing or that thing, you just held it in. And you tried to deal with it on your own. And it beat you up. And you lost one, two, 10 years being around the body, lost time doing that. And the Lord can redeem the time. I'm not saying it's over, but why waste it? If a man that has a heart to get to a place can take the time out of his week and say, I don't really know these guys like that, but I want to know who you are. Man, let's tell me about yourself. Tell me what's going on here gets the inside track, man. Who shared the gospel with you? Pfft. Isn't that good conversation? I mean, you guys can we can't every Sunday, I cannot stop Faith Fellowship from talking soon enough. We say good morning, Faith Fellowship. Well, whoever's doing an announcement, you guys generally will kind of settle down when I get up here, but man, it's great. I love it. I love it. That's a problem. Versus you going, I hate this person. <laughs> And it's super quiet in here. That's never been a problem. We talk, man. And let's keep doing that. I love it. Seek each other out. Go across the aisle. It's not Republicans and Democrats over here, but but go across the aisle. Move around. So today, Serene is sitting in a different spot. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) But listen, get this down. I want you to get this down, y'all. Not only did God not intend for my life to not be hidden, but he did not intend for me to be alone either. And see, right now, you may be going through something. You need a partner. You got the Lord with you. You got the Holy Spirit in you. It's telling you, but you got to have somebody else that's going to hold you accountable, a buddy. Man, that's going to pray for you. Come and visit you. You get coffee with, lunch with. The Lord loves that. Because, again, you get to exploit those relationships. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Look, it's a thing that we kind of get to do for one another, and then it's back to the Lord for all of us. That's why ACR is so special. For those that don't know, that's our all-church retreat. We uh, carve out some time to get away just as a church. And some of us are going to have to drive down, and they'll miss out on the the morning activities. And when y'all sweaty and just got that glow on you because you've been outside, (laughs) <laughs> all day you probably tired because the sun has been whooping on you man it's still a good time though it's just i mean just the conversations you have being able to stay up late or whatever yeah it's it's the business and you want to be a part of that so you get this down you need the refreshing that comes from time spent together you need the refreshing that comes from time spent together the lord has it dialed in and I and I pray if you're gonna finish, that's how how can you finish by yourself? <laughs> you you can't. What the Lord is asking is uh, impossible, <laughs> one, right? So that's why He's got to do the work. But it would be super impossible with our frail cells trying to do something. No man, I want to do this with a partnership. This is why we go and lean back on those churches that we planted, because we love them. We want to have them be successful. We want them to feel supported. And so, man, it matters. Our last key point is this one. This one, man, I pray you hear me. If I'm to decide to finish, I got to be tooled up. I got to have these things in place that we've been talking about. And here's the last one. Emotions should not have rule over me. Keep point number three. Emotions should not have rule over me. Get this. God gave me his word, his spirit, and his people so that I wouldn't have to rely on self. Cause, boy, that your emotions—it can tell you that you're alone when you're not. It can—it can say you're mad about this, you got offended about that. They don't see me, they don't appreciate me, and that's all emotional talk. That's not, where is that rooted in the Word of God at? Acts twenty-one ten through fourteen. You know it. We just saw it. But again, let's just look at it in terms of that idea that the emotions should not have rule over me. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle. I mean, now we got uh, the, the black and white um, re, uh, re- recreation. You know how they do that, like uh, the slap chop. It's like, oh no, you know, and it's like the worst thing ever. And it turns black and white. That's what's happening. It just turned black and white. I got to really show you how this is going to be, Paul. I got to grab your girdle and bound my own hands and feet. And then he says, so shall the Jews or Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, then the the rest of the crew is like, yes, this, this dramatic demonstration is so accurate. I don't want nothing to happen to our dear Paul. I agree. And then Paul the only one not being emotional but he is in reality cuz look at what it says what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart man he is moved by the fact that they are moved that paul we don't want to see you messed up we don't want to see you hurt we don't want to see you in bonds we the church needs you we need you we need that time with you are they wrong for that no, there's nothing wrong with that. But I can't lead decisions and finishing what it is that God has for me with that heart. I kind of have to look at this like <laughs> um, the Lord has told me to do this. And He may not have told me all the steps in between A and B, but He just said, get to B. So get to B, get there. What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only. <laughs> let, me, let me ratchet it up. So with your dramatic <laughs> recreation of that, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> your recreation of that, you bound your hands and you got my girdle all wrinkled up now. And So I'm not only ready for that to happen, but let me ratchet it up a little bit but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Mic drop. Anybody else have anything else to say? Nope. (laughs) No. Conversation's over. You see what happened. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased. Praise the Lord. They didn't keep going. Because sometimes people try to do you like that. You're going on this mission trip, and they telling you all the, the dangers. Don't get in the water. There's sharks. Don't go over here. There's gangsters. Don't do this. There's a cartel or this, whatever. They know more about that place than you do, and they're not going on the plane. And the only thing that they're kind of there to do is to stop you from going, or you go with this heart of fear instead of being ready to be used of God when you get there. Um. I haven't said in a while, but the only one that's really gangster is God. (laughs) And so I'm not worried about any gangster anywhere. I'm not. It doesn't matter. I know I could be bound. I know that I could die, and it would be worth it to do so. Let me give you these last three verses to set your heart on fire. Psalm 119.80. It says that, let my heart be sound, how? In thy statutes. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. See, because that's what happens when you don't finish. That's shameful. You see the correlation. Proverbs eight fourteen. I love this, man. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. Amen. Yes. And then one that is kind of an interesting outlier, just as we were talking about the way other people see what you're doing, because you crazy. You go to a a church that's a cult. Y'all at church way too much. Because church is just supposed to be a place that I go to at my leisure. Luke 8, 35. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man and out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. This cat is in his right mind. He's no longer breaking chains and terrorizing the place. And what does it say? He's clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. Listen, your peace in the Lord Jesus is a threat to the world. And people will see you as crazy, in a cult, and all of those things. And if you give ear to that nonsense, what will happen is you will not finish and you will end up ashamed for that. And so the conclusion is this. If I'm gonna finish being led of the spirit, I have to understand my life is on display. I have to seek out the brethren. I have to understand that emotions should not have rule over me. So the question on the floor is this, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? I pray that Paul's heart, for I am ready. If nothing else you got from that, just remember he said, I'm ready. And whatever was after, I'm ready, didn't matter because he already said, I'm ready. That's the answer. I'm ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that you would just be with us as we consider uh, what's taking place here in Acts. And Lord, we thank you uh, just for having Paul's life on display for us to see. Lord, we understand that really there's no power uh, of the man, but in the man is the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we have that same power. And so, Father, I pray that we would have a heart's desire to decide to finish whatever you have put before us, Lord, that you would use our lives and that it would have great impact and have eternal value. Father, I'm begging you, use us. We pray that we would just continually hear from you today, and that we would also hear from you this week at ACR. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.